Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey everybody, Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations, and we are at NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters 2022 Convention in Nashville. We've got an amazing interview coming up right now with a guy named Joshua Broom. And let me just say this before I give Andrew a chance to say something. Mm-hmm. This guy is came out of the sex industry. Like, he's a porn star, like a really famous one. And came to Christ, totally reformed his life, and is using that as a platform to share his story and do ministry. And so needless to say, there are, and he even told me after the interview, there are a couple questions I asked that he's never been asked before, which he was happy to answer. But yeah. this is gonna have some sensitive content that if you are a parent, you might wanna preview yeah. before you have your younger children listen. Again, I put a pretty, I'm putting my own filter. I'd let my kids listen to this. Right. But we're the kind of people that have these conversations with our kids. And so yeah. I just don't even want to be surprised by it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it's, uh, yeah, we, we've been having a, an excellent time here. Uh, NRB 2022. You would think 2022 is because that's what year it is. It's actually the number of interviews we've done here. <laughs> Almost. Not quite, but goodness gracious. Or the number of hours spent uh, interviewing. Get back no. to Josh Broom. Yeah. You met him before I did. Uh, well, I... So this was hilarious. He, you were talking to uh, to Del Didway. No, you were talking to Denise and Clay Pass, who was uh, three interviews prior to this one. Okay. Um, you were talking to her at the table, and I was sitting there sipping my espresso from four seventy five, and and this just this guy comes up and he goes, "Hey, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt your coffee," and I'm like, "Oh no, this is cool. What's what's going on?" And he's like. He's, I was thinking he wanted a foam microphone, right? I mean, because everybody wants we're those. We're handing those out. Yeah, yeah. we're handing them all left, right, and center. And he goes, no, I just, I thought, um, you know, I wanted to introduce myself. Uh, I know, you know, I'm, I'm trying to share my story as, with as many as people I can. And and uh, and here's the deal. And kind of gave the same intro to me that, that you just gave. And I'm like, my jaw is about to hit the floor. I mean, from from his, you know... Talk about having a a, a thirty second an, an elevator uh, speech, yeah, p- elevator pitch uh, for your faith, and and his elevator pitch for why we should interview him. I, I was I was just my jaw dropped, uh, and, and I was just like, <laughs> wow. And then and then he starts talking about yeah, and and uh, and um, I'm I'm gonna live in Dallas. We're about to move to Dallas, and I was like, oh okay. He's like, yeah, we live in Iowa now. And I'm like, ooh. I know where that is, <laughs> and so then we connected on that front, and and his uh, his wife was a cheerleader for Iowa. I yeah. think he said so. Yeah, uh, yeah so that was it got all kinds of Hawkeye connections. So they live in Central City, which is down by Cedar Rapids. One of the things 
in a situation like this, and I, I only had to, after you introduced me to him, I only had to talk to him for about two or three minutes to kind of get all these questions kind of vetted yeah. to decide we wanted. There's no question the story on its face was like, wow, this is right. a story people are going to be interested in listening to. But one of the things I'm always a little skeptical about when I hear some crazy story is, like, are you just here to tell a crazy story? Right. To, like, shock value people? Right. Or are you here to actually talk about the Lord? Right. Exactly. And, and so I was kind of feeling that out a little bit with him. And, I mean, just no question. And people will pick up on that Absolutely. in the interview. I mean, he the was... Latter. Yeah. He was uh, crystal clear uh, and passionate, passionate, passionate about the gospel. Yeah. Very articulate. He got discipled. Hardcore. He's very familiar with scripture. Yep. Got a... Uh, degree from Liberty University and is preaching now. Yep. And so this is not just an amazing story, but the way he uses his platform is yeah. powerful because it's not just like, oh, listen to this crazy story. Now give me my check and I'll go to the next town and tell it. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and something actually your wife told me earlier today when we were discussing kind of the, the lineup of people, um, she said, you know, the interviews that, that we've been doing, not just this week, but even, even before we got to NRB, um, they're not just inspiring stories from interesting Christians. I mean, that's our tagline that we use for this, but it goes beyond that. It's, it's, God is working in this person's life and he's working in your life too. Yes. And, and that is just, you know, hearing, uh, not only, uh, Joshua's story, but the other ones that we've talked to today, and I'm sure the other ones we're going to talk to here in the next in the next 24 hours, that's absolutely should I hope inspire people to say, yeah, wow, God, God's really working in that person's life in this way, this person's life in this way. How's he working in my life? Yes, and and, and I love that. I, uh, the, your wife has a has a wonderful heart for that and a wonderful observation. And I, I hope that we can convince her to get in front of a mic and share some of those nuggets. Yeah, of good, good. Soon. We'll do that before we leave, hopefully tomorrow. So uh, this is another another great interview, along yeah. with the others we've done this week. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy this. Be sensitive with it, but share it with folks because it's going to be a uh, yeah. impactful interview. Thanks for tuning in. everybody, Matt Reister here again. I'm at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, and it's been like drinking out of a fire hydrant. I mean, uh, we are first-time exhibitors here, and last year was my first time at NRB. I haven't been doing this job, the director of uh, Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry for very long, and I had no idea how many different interview requests right. would come to us. And we left a little bit of time in our schedule for just kind of random impromptu things that came up. I saw an email or saw something about you. And I remember a flash in my mind, like, man, that'd be great to talk to that guy. I never got back to it, but you stopped and by the booth. Boom. So I got Joshua Broom here. That's B-R-O-O-M-E, but it's just like the thing there that witches go. ride. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's a little bit, <laughs> anyway, uh, so, um, Long story short, this guy was involved in the porn industry and was saved by God's grace and is now doing ministry. We're going to hear your whole story, and I'm yeah. really excited. It's like several people have come up to our table kind of 
pitching themselves to be on our podcast. Like, right. we're not a big deal. I mean, this is not a huge podcast. Yeah. It's kind of a small audience. We're growing. We're getting established. Yeah. Um, and I've figured out a lot of polite ways to tell people that our schedule's full. But, I mean, about two sentences into meeting you, I was like, uh, this story needs to be told. <laughs> and so thank you for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, I, I kind of came out here on a whim. I kind of came out here on a whim because I was in Chicago yesterday and I just got back from Dallas recently and I just was able to squeeze in a day. So I'm, I flew in early this morning and I'm flying out early tomorrow morning. So, Wow. So what's crazy is you live in Central City, Iowa. Yeah, so my, my like wife, yeah, my down wife. down the road from us, but it's like no one knows where that's at. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it's in the it's in proximity of Cedar Rapids, or if you don't know where Cedar Rapids is, it's in proximity of Iowa City, so you probably know where the University of Iowa is if you watch football, or uh, they're decent at basketball this year I guess well. they're killing Northwestern right now in oh, the Big nice. Ten tournament. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a Hawkeye fan, but I've yeah. been so busy, I forgot they even played today. Yeah, I, that, I have to be because my wife cheered there, so she was the W for for all. Oh, I O W. Yeah, yeah, she was a. the W. So big deal, big deal for so her. So we're gonna have some Hawkeye fans in our audience. I is the student section corner. O is the northwest corner. W is the northeast corner. Right, right. That's awesome. Yeah. Feels like each year, you know, we, we've been married for almost six years and six seven times actually we went to alumni game and generally it's a basketball game because you know the, the cheerleaders that are you know current will travel with iowa to a bowl game yeah and then basketball is going on so she will cheer at the basketball game which is so much fun yeah that's awesome yeah so where were you born and raised uh south carolina so i was born in a super small town in south carolina pageland south carolina so mm -hmm. so small that um, I was born in Charlotte because no hospitals where where I lived. We just got a Taco Bell about two years ago. It was a big deal. Awesome. So like that <laughs> small of a town. Graduated with less than 100 people. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot here. How old are you? 39. 39. Okay. 39. So yeah. you were born in like 82. 82. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, were you raised in a family of faith and kind of walked away from it? Or were you just not raised in the faith at all? Or what's your kind of spiritual story? Yeah. Um, so... I grew up going to church. I went to church on Sundays, went to church on Wednesdays, I went to vacation Bible school. So I knew a lot about God, but the church I went to, um, you know, fire and brimstone, you know, it's like, you yeah, know, receive the gospel, you're going, you know, you're going to hell, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that type of deal. But for me, the, the biggest gap in between me and me understanding the gospel was me seeing fatherhood through the lens of brokenness because I grew up in that small town without a father but my father lived in that town so I saw him like, did you know at, he was your father yeah yeah yeah. so I, I I knew so my mom had me when she was 16 okay so I, I see this guy that you know as he gets older he gets married he has a family and you know they're doing a little bit better off financially than we are and I, I see this person that is my father but he doesn't play the role as my dad. Mm. So it made me feel like, what's wrong with me? And I have a very, like in the 99th percentile achiever personality. So mm. I tried to achieve that affirmation that I wasn't getting wow. through scholastics, through you know sports, through um, whatever it was. I just wanted to be the best so that I would have that momentary gratification that I felt like I was good enough. 
wow. it never lasts. That is, I was blessed with a great dad. Um, and I hear what you're saying so many times. Yeah. And I even see it uh, in the lives of some kids who I don't even need to hear it from. You just see it. Yeah. That, that's such a common narrative, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like, even though I heard the gospel, when I hear, when I heard father, I distorted the gospel because of when I saw a father, I saw God through the lens of what I understood a father to be. So it distorted his goodness. Yeah. It distorted the gospel because even though I heard the gospel every Sunday, I couldn't see myself as someone who was worth being loved because I had a father that was you know, literally miles away from me that didn't want me. So, What's I your mean, relationship with your dad today? Yeah, that's a great story. So my wife, she's I, I can't wait to talk more about her, but out of the blue, we've been together for maybe like nine months. I think we'd just gotten engaged. She's like, hey, I did something. And she is very introverted, not very, like other, other than her being like, uh, you know, she was in gymnastics and she was a cheerleader. Like, you know, in her in right environment, she's loud and boisterous, but most, for the most part, she's pretty reserved. Yeah. She's like, I did this thing. I re- she reached out to um, my half brother that I've met a couple of times to get my dad's number and gave him my number. So he, you know, we, I think I called him. So she, she ended up getting me Your dad's you know, our information and I called him and we just, I was in a, I was a place in my life because I'd been a Christian for about a year at this point. Yeah. And the first thing that I said, um, man, I've been so angry at you wow. and have blamed so many things on you that were not your fault. Wow. And I'm sorry. Wow. And, it, and it, it was it was a release for me because it was true. It's like I justified so many things in my life because of this false narrative, this like, you know, this incorrect, plausible reality that I created based on a lie. Yeah. And it was all like stuff that I had stirred up in my own head. And, and, and in addition to trauma that you know was essentially self-inflicted. But I mean, he did play a role in casting yeah. you down that trajectory a Absolutely. little bit, right? And it's, and it's for a lot of people, it's what happened to them. For me, it was what he didn't do. And because what he didn't do, I made my own presuppositions about myself. Yeah. I did an interview, the very first podcast interview I did for this podcast a couple years ago with a guy named Ron Gruber. And the only reason I mention it is because I think listeners who are intrigued by this so far need to go listen to that. Ron Gruber was a uh, former one percenter enforcer for a violent motorcycle gang committed murder, did prison time, came yeah. to Christ, and is now out of prison and just doing some amazing things for the Lord. But Ron Gruber's story with his father is unlike anything I have ever heard. I mean, this dude's dad, and he, he's raised in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Uh, I mean, bad, bad news. Um, but Ron said something amazing, because I kind of said, you know, how does a kid, I, I've never been like a victim guy. Like, right. Like, it's your fault that you sinned the way you did. Right. It's not anyone else's yeah. fault. Um, and in his case, you know, kind of like if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Like, right. Yeah. Sorry, dude. Yeah. I mean, you're going to prison, and you should. Maybe even worse than that because right. you murdered somebody. Yeah. However, hearing the story of his father and how, how that all played out in his early years, it's kind of like how does a kid in this environment even have a chance? 
Right. And Ron stopped me. He goes, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He said, a lot of people want to say that. And he said, I get it. But he said, a lot of people take that background and use it to spur them out of yeah. the dysfunction. He said, I made it a crutch or an excuse to allow me to spin into dysfunction. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, 100%. Like, all the decisions that I made were upon my own volition. But... I did use that crutch, like you said. I did use that as, you know, something that I used to justify thing after thing after thing. And then as my behavior got worse, then it became, well, I am my behavior. My worth is based on my Your behavior. Your identity. Yeah, yeah. And I, I created this whole identity because what I didn't have and what I did, and it just got worse and worse and worse. So are you, like, fully reconciled with your dad? Yeah, yeah. So he's... Is yeah. he a believer? Yeah, yeah. So he's wow. He, yeah, yeah. I, I I can't wait to get more into not that, but um, just other aspects of my family. But um, yeah, so he's met my children. I have three boys, um, three boys under four. So our house is pretty wow. chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> What's um, your wife's name? Hope. Hope. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like the it was like as as far as like me coming to faith. It's like the little trinity of hope because the church was hope community church and my wife's name is hope and she led me to find the hope that was found in where was in that Jesus. in central city uh no no no. so in raleigh north carolina okay okay yeah well we'll get into your story here right so you have this kind of pseudo dysfunctional childhood right because you're not in touch with your dad yeah dads are so important yeah i mean yeah and it, and for me like my grandfather was there. Like we grew up, I grew up in my, you know, my my mom's parents' home. She's 16, you know, so I grew up in my grandparents' right, home. Right. But my grandfather, he was retired, and he, like, when I say this man went fishing literally every day, like, there had to be something like severe inclement weather for him not to be <laughs> on his John Deere boat out fishing. But I mean, he taught he taught me several things. Um, some things that I that helped me as, as a as a person today but for the most part other than a, a basketball coach and a, you know a football coach I didn't have anyone you know this is how you, you how you're a man or, or model like yeah. what does it what does a father look like or what does a husband look like what does that look like I had no clue so just like any aspect of society if you allow something else that's not good to define reality for you and you imitate or try to pursue that um, it always goes really really bad yeah so uh catch us up to the point where you got involved in the porn industry like yeah. that there's no way you just all of a sudden wake up one day and i'm gonna go right, do that right yeah so i started modeling and acting when i was 14 or 15 had a lot of success in that um ended up i was i studied theater for about two years in college and then where'd you go to college uh, I went initially. I went to Francis Marion University, but I, I finished school at Liberty University. Oh wow! Uh, um, but that that was l l super recently, actually. Okay, okay. But um, went went to school at Francis Marion University, which is in Florence, South Carolina, and um, I went there for about two years, just really just checking a box. And I knew that I wanted to act, I wanted to model, so I dropped out, moved to Hollywood, and like many people, you know, I, I signed an agent, and I was working a little bit, but I was living far beyond my means, I was living in West Hollywood, and you know, rent's expensive, and man, I had to get a job, you know, I had to get a job like many people, so if you go to anywhere in Hollywood, it's like, 
you know, you might work at this place, but you know, I'm an actor or a screenwriter right, or right, whatever. Right, right. So I, I was working it's at this like Nashville. A lot of right, people trying to get right. into music who work at Starbucks yeah. or whatever. Yeah, so I, I was working at this place called Saddle Ranch. So it's in the middle of West Hollywood. It's been in a ton of movies because there's a gigantic uh, mechanical bull in the middle of the restaurant. Okay. It's like one of those places where it's a restaurant until 10 p.m. and then it's just like absolute chaos bar. But I'm working there and four girls come in. They sit down. I'm going to wait on them. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to put my southern charm on and get their number or get a big tip or whatever. Right. And I walk over, and they're like, um, hey, have you ever thought about acting? I was like, yes. You know, they're going to introduce me to a casting, you know, director, or maybe they're working on a project. They're going to introduce me to someone. It's, it's going to be my big break. And they're like, no, we're talking about porn. And I was like, what? Because... I had seen it. I had seen porn before. Yeah. But for me, I really believed that, like, those weren't real people. Like, th- those aren't people that do, like, yeah. a, that's not their job. Yeah. You know, it's just people on a screen. You, you can't, like, really get your head around, like, those are actually living, breathing people, you know? So, I, like, see these people, I was like, they're inviting me into their space. And they're like, hey, um, we would love to introduce you to our agent. And I was like, agent? I mean, now they were speaking language that I was familiar with. Yeah. And it, for some reason, it, it, it escalated the curiosity that I had. And I was like, sure, I'll meet with this agent. Even though in the back of my head, I was like, it's going to be, you know, an old guy in a Motel 6, like, picking, like, belly button, like, lint yeah. out of his belly button or something <laughs> like that. But I get there, and we're in Studio City, and it's adjacent to Universal Studios, and, you know, it's a... It's a private elevator up to his office and wow this guy sitting behind this giant desk three-piece suit you know big fat double windsor tie english accent and he's and he asked me a few questions and just in retrospect just master manipulators like you know how did you grow up what what's your family life like um what are you doing out here you know i was like grew up single mom i'm out here trying to be famous you know he's like great um, you have acting experience, awesome. So you, you're saying, like, looking back, master manipulator, you're you're reading that now through a lens that goes, okay, he sees that I'm, like, ripe for the picking on this deal. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so he, he, he asked, you know, he quickly said, well, there's not a lot of good-looking guys in the industry. That'll work to your favor. Um, and also you have, you know, acting ability and all the, all the films in the industry, they're shifting and they're parodying movies. They're, they, there's these big-budget films. It'll be so advantageous for you because you have this acting experience. And you're a good-looking guy. You'll be famous. What kind you'll of acting this. had you done before? I mean, like so in commercials for, and stuff. Or? Yeah, I mean that in like, like you know, you have your like a like legit movies and you have your B movies and like yeah. C movies. Like I've done a few C movies where I was like in Bucharest, Romania. Um, I was doing a vo- voiceover and I was holding the boom mic for myself. I'm not kidding. <laughs> but, but I mean. But I, I was getting some reps, you know. I, I was doing some well, it's stuff. It's like you're going to put in the time to right. get where you need to go. Yeah, you got to start yeah. at the bottom, and that's and the way then it is. E- even and then even more so with modeling. Like I was having some decent success. You know, I've, I've done like Fashion Week in Paris and Miami and stuff like that. I mean, I, I it was I was in no way struggling. Okay. And, but you know, we had this conversation, and what I what I heard him say was, "Here is a counterfeit version." of your dream and I see myself I'm like man maybe I'm not good enough did you interpret it as a counterfeit version right from the beginning I mean I I heard man this might be it 
in my head, like, man, I, I hear famous, I hear Money. rich, I hear girls, I hear all the things that I believe at the time. If I had all those things, you'd be happy. I'd be happy. And I mean, that I, I that is the most. Um, I, I sometimes I get a little bit of pushback when I share my story because, like, man, those things are unnecessary because it's glamorizing the industry. I'm like, no, no, no. I think I need to tell the totality of my story because yeah. I want people to know that I did a thousand films in the industry. I was nominated for Best Male Performer three times. I won it once. I made over a million dollars. I traveled to every place I ever said I wanted to do. And when I won that award, I got notified a few days before because it was going to be on Showtime. And they were like, hey, you know, we want you to you know, articulate X, Y, and Z when you go up on stage. Just, you know, we, you've won the award. What do you mean, like, articulate X, Y, and Z? So just like, you know, it's, since it was going to be on Showtime, it's like, uh, we want you to say this verbatim, make sure that you've read over this because... What, like to give prop to sponsors or to yeah, say... Yeah, yeah. Um, so I knew I'd won the award and... Wow. So that's interesting, a glimpse into award shows. So these people go up there knowing that they won. Yeah, I mean, not all. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that was my only in your in your industry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I, I mean, that was the third year I'd I'd been nominated for it, and that was the first year I won it. Okay. So that was 2012, and then man, I remember literally laying on my face later that day, crying out to this God that I knew about, but I feel like I didn't know, and I just didn't want to live anymore because I I, I literally I had everything that I said. Once I get this. I'll be happy, and it actually illuminated and Fame, amplified. money, women. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, it's like, if, if, if I had all that, my, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I traveled a lot, I had nice things, like, all, all the stuff, like, I grew up, you know, not in extreme poverty, but, you yeah, know, like, I, I would get one pair of, you know, basketball shoes a year, and I had to take care of them. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, like just having all the things that I, I, I longed after growing up because I, I looked around me and the people that had them, they looked happy. So that right. must be what happiness is. And then I had it and it actually, it made my depression worse. It made me feel worse because it didn't work. Yeah. It's interesting because I was just doing an interview before you that was a kind of a lighthearted, superficial, fun interview with a guy who's a sports writer and yeah. a Christian author of like Christian devotionals and stuff. And he's had access to a ton of like athletes and these big time guys. And we were talking about way back when Tom Brady won his third or fourth Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and Tom Brady's not a professing Christian, but there's this iconic clip of Tom Brady like on 60 Minutes or I don't know, ABC something, whatever, talking about how he basically just like out succeeded his wildest dreams. Yeah. And, and he says, I actually used it when I was preaching a sermon once. It's Tom Brady going, there has to be more than this. Right. Because, like, if this is it. Yeah. It's pretty anticlimactic. You look at Tom Brady or you look at you at that time yeah. and you go, man, he's got it all. How, how in the world are you sitting there going, there has to be more? That's, But it's just so uh, revealing how empty the things are yeah. that we chase after that aren't Christ. Right? right? That's what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Keep going. Yeah, but I mean, so in that moment, I, I, I didn't have the guts to take my life, but that's what I wanted to do. And I'm calling out to this God that I didn't know and just saying, I don't want to live because I believed with all certainty that I ruined my life. There's no way that I'd ever, I'd ever be a father. I'd ever be a husband. There's no way that I would even contribute to an organization. Like what, 
like what talents and gifts do I have? The only so, thing I've ever done was was act and model. Like I've I've been on camera. Like I did a little bit of personal training, but other than that, it's just like it it was all like aesthetics and abilities. What was it? What was it about learning that you had won this award? Because you're saying you had this response pretty much right after you learned it. Yeah, I what, mean, was it, had that been building? And that was the culmination, and it's yeah. kind of like now my name's going to be out there. It's etched in stone now, and now I'm forever tainted. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was always like if, like, I always wanted to score more points than everyone else on the basketball court. I wanted to get more girls. I wanted to get the girl that no one else could have. Like, I wanted, you know, I wanted the girl to say yes to me. Yeah. I'm like on and on and on. So for that, it was like I hadn't won the award, number one. And it's the that's the pinnacle as a as a guy in the industry. Like you win that award, like you are the best. The You're man. the man. Yeah. So it's like that's it. That's solidified. Okay, I'm the man. And it it just kind of backfired on me because it didn't it didn't fulfill me in the way that I thought it would. Wow. So that's why it just wrecked me because for three years I was like I didn't win. You're chasing I, it. I didn't chasing win. It. And it's like you know I I was. I was taking on projects that no one else was taking, you know, like for me to do a thousand, like literally do a thousand scenes in a six year period, like I'm work, I was working 25, 30 times a month. So it's like, I I can't even like fully describe like the the level of like exposure. Like, you know, sometimes like right currently, like right now it's like I teach and preach and I, I do things like this and it's like, Anything that I do, I do it with all that I have. Yeah. And you know, there's there's a feeling that I have sometimes, especially if you know if you're preaching multiple services. It's like you just feel like depleted and exposed to it in a certain way, where it's like I have to take like steps for you know to set boundaries and yeah to you know because I, I feel oh, dude, spiritually like, attacked. Uh, not even attacked, but like I've done like 15 inter- or 12 interviews or whatever yeah. in the last two days. I'm a people person. Yeah. I love being around people. It's like. I went to our hotel room last night. I was like, I don't have any more words to say. Right. Like, I'm wiped yeah. out. Yeah, I'm, I'm all extroverted out. <laughs> and, and all I did was sit here and talk. But, I mean, yeah. that's what we're talking about. Now, here's the thing. I told you before we talked, like, I want this to be really candid. And, yeah. and so I might ask you something that you're like, I don't want to talk about that. This might be one of those questions. Okay. Um, and this is going to end up making me need to put a preface on this episode about this maybe adult contains some adult themes. Yeah, so, yeah. So parents listen to this before your kids yeah. do whatever. Um, 25 or 30 porn scenes yeah. in a month. Yeah. Like, how is the body capable of that? Yeah. I mean, so pretty much everyone in that industry is taking some type of erectile dysfunction medication. Okay. I was wondering so, that. So it got so bad, like the depression and the like. You know, because you're you like people believe the lie that there's two people having sex and there just and happens to be a it, camera. And it's like the reality is there's camera A, B, C. There's a there's someone with a boom mic. There's someone with a C light. And there's you know there's catering. Uh, there's a random person sitting in the corner. There's two assistants that probably don't need to be there that just want to watch. Someone's eating Doritos <laughs> over in the corner. And then you're sitting there doing that, and it's so demeaning and you're so exposed, like. So I got to the point where the last year of my career, I was taking Caverjack. So Caverjack is something you inject for paraplegic people to be able to be intimate with their spouse. So wow. you inject it and you're good for four hours. And if you use too much, you have to go to the hospital and get lanced. Wow. So, and then there's some directors that, that not, not make you take it, but if, if you want to be hired often, you're going to take it because, so the director is paying for 
you know, the, the, the house they're shooting in. They're paying for the permit. They're paying for, you know, the equipment, the, the whole production. So they're paying go. for everything, yeah. right? So the guy is the only person that doesn't get paid for certain because if the guy doesn't do his job, there's no content. Wow. So the, every, everyone else has to get paid because they showed up and they did their part, but the guy doesn't get paid because you failed the scene. Yeah. So now there's no content. Wow. So uh, what's interesting about what you just described is it really pulls the veil back on porn. Oh. Like, this is all just a farce. Well, I mean, the reality is, just like any other movie, like, you think, you, you, you watch porn and you think, okay, there's two people that want to be there and they're, ha they're having this, this moment of intimacy. And the reality is, um, you're, you're watching who knows how much footage that got edited. There's a director telling them what to do, that, you know, move this way, move that way, watch out, there's a light, the, the, the mic's in, you know, in, in, in the frame or, or whatever. So, I mean, it's it's not like this intimate moment so that's mechanical. enjoyable. It's, it's so monotonous that, like, to be completely honest, I got to a point where, like, I, like, I didn't care. It was with who, with what, it doesn't matter. And then, uh, like, shaking someone's hand and looking them in the eye absolutely terrified me because that was real that? well because it was real like everything wow. about my life was fake my, wow. my name was fake the, the, I was like you know Tropic Thunder like I was a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude every day wow so but also I was portraying an act of intimacy and trying to make it look real yeah because like I'm sitting there like pumped full of you know Caver Jackson you have Caver Jack or Viagra or Cialis or sometimes all three and then you know you're you're shooting four or five hours, sometimes more, um, and then there's people standing around, and then you know, the, yeah, I mean there's there's just so many aspects about it. It's like like no one cares about you, right? You're you're just like you're lit yeah, you're a literally a piece of a meat, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now this is going to take it to the next level, but what is like for the woman that's involved? Yeah. What's going on there, like physiologically? I mean, are they doing 25 scenes a, a month? No, I mean the girls like for like a girl that works a lot is probably working like 10 or 15 times a month. Like that's working a lot. So girls get paid like about 60 to 70 percent more than guys do, and and also like a, the director is going to hire pretty much the same group of guys every single time because if you know if if, you, if the director can't trust you, they're not going to hire you because you could wreck the day. Yeah. So it's like, once you have, you know, trust with that director, he's going to hire you They've every time a, because it doesn't matter. A track record of performance. Yeah, so girls are shot more, like, less often because they don't want them to be yeah. shot out or whatever. Um, when you said, uh, you know, you didn't win it the first year, you didn't win it the second year, you won it the third year, what do you have to do to separate yourself to win it? Is it just a function of more scenes, or do you just have to, like, get crazier, like, be more bought in? Or? Yeah, I mean... For, for me, I was successful because I was consistent, you know, like I, yeah. I, I was willing to compromise myself to, to, you know, to take, to take the drugs or to, yeah. you know, to do whatever I was asked. And like, to be honest, like for me, like I never abused drugs and that was a, that was something that's real. Like do, do most people show up like hammered or like on drugs? No, but did it happen often enough for it to be a problem? Yeah. So it's like, man, the fact that I was a, a dude that took that somewhat, like, it, to, to be, like, candid is like, I took the job serious. It's like, whatever I'm doing, it's like, I'm going to be the best at it. I don't yeah. care what it is, I'm going to be the best. And I took it seriously. And so in a, in a place where I was a good-looking guy and there wasn't a lot of good-looking guys and I had acting ability and I showed up on time and yeah. I, I was dependable, 
like like those are things like it wasn't because I was great it was because I did my job I did it you know and yep, and I, I showed you. up I was a, I was like a, I was strangely a normal dude in a very unnormal industry yeah. that's so fascinating so um, I've got a couple other questions uh, and I'll just I guess I'll just ask them now I feel like you're in the middle of telling your story but um, and you might get to this but so you were raised going to church so I assume right. your mom is a believer or your grandparents or yeah so my, my grandparents so my grandparents strong Christians um, my, my mom kind of you know as, as well we can go ahead and get into it now but like my mom like I don't know where she stood but I mean we we went we went to church we you know we you know we, we did whatever you know, we, we went to church, we prayed, you know, we, but it was, it was never like a topic of conversation in yeah. our home. Yeah. Like if anything, we're, we're listening to Christian music maybe, yeah. yep. but I, I give my life to Christ. I, I stay in ministry. So I, I end up in, interning at a church for about four years. And then I was on staff at a, at a church in Oklahoma. And then while I'm on staff at that church in Oklahoma, my mom had flew in and there was like this big staff retreat or whatever, and she was there watching our kids. And uh, she was, we were just like having this conversation, and I was telling her about Romans Road. Like I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to like, like work with young adults. It's like you know, like I, for some reason I feel like you know because of social media, it's like it's really trendy to be like theologically eloquent, but not really know the gospel. Yeah. So it's like I wanted to help young adults be able to articulate the gospel clearly. And the Romans Road, for anyone who doesn't know, is a method to share the gospel through the book of Romans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, from from like a theological standpoint, it's like you read through the book of Romans, it's like you, you get it. Yeah. And it's my favorite um, so book. So I was trying I was trying to, you know, just just to unpack that with her, just really just as someone who's very extroverted, just like process what I wanted to do. And then just like a light bulb went off for her and you know, she'd had her own struggles but um, like for her, it's like it started. It just made sense for the first time, and then the next day, like she she came to me and, and we prayed about it, and she just like really like poured out her heart to me. It's like I feel like I've been missing out on this relationship aspect, and um, on that day in in my backyard, in the whole like the the stat the the staff that I was on the church. Everyone came over, and I baptized my mom in, wow. in the pool in her backyard. That's cool. So yeah. um, what I was getting at with asking about your mom and your grandparents, like they must have, your grandparents, if your mom was kind of around it, but she wasn't really a believer, maybe to a varying degree, they must have been somewhat like devastated about what you were doing. Oh, yeah. Did, did, they knew about it, I assume. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it wasn't, and for the disappointment was never because of the porn. It was always because, like, you were destined for greatness. Like, there's, you are capable of so much more. Like, you are capable of so much more, and I'm disappointed in you because you're choosing to spend your life doing that. Like, you're wasting your life doing something when God has made you to do something so much bigger. Like, and, and like, and that was the, I just didn't get, I just didn't understand. It's like, what, what do you mean? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, who am I? Yeah. Yeah. 
so so slow down through the story now because you said like I was doing this I win this award yeah. and then we jumped to I gave my life to Christ yeah. I got married my mom came out to Oklahoma yeah like tell fill in some of those gaps. yeah so, so, so I, I win that award I, 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 I struggle with depression and thoughts of like self-harm for you know several several weeks and then I, I'm continuing to work and I get a check, and on the on the checks, on the memo, it says what it's for, right? So it's 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 a graphic name of a movie on the memo of the check. Yeah. So I would always go ATM or Dropbox. I never wanted to face the music. I never wanted to look a teller you know, in a the teller eye. in the eye. It's like here's this thing for what? blah 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 triple X. You know, it's like I didn't want to do that. Was was I've got a buddy who writes stupid stuff in yeah, memos just yeah. to like make his friends feel uncomfortable yeah, for absolutely. that exact reason. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a real thing. But it's like, so like on this day, I didn't have the, I didn't have the option to do that. So I was like, whatever, nothing matters. You know, I'm just going to deposit the check. So I hand the teller the check. She asked me, you know, do you, do you have your account number? I'm like, no, here's my card. I swipe it. She puts it in, blah, blah, blah. And then as I'm leaving, I pivot to leave. And uh, the teller looks at me and says, Joshua, is there anything I can do for you? Joshua, can I help you? And Describe it, this person. Like, Yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it was a, a, a woman that was probably like in her 50s. Yeah. And just like very kind wow. and like kept like eye contact with me. Wow. And for me, that was a big deal because like very like Genesis 3, like because of my sin and my shame, I hid yeah. and I went into isolation yeah. and I stopped returning texts from my mom. I stopped returning texts from my brother. I stopped answering phone calls. I deleted all of my for like real friends months, for about years? 18 months. Okay. So in this moment, I'm hearing Joshua that I haven't heard in over a year. Because you got all these fake names. I, I went by a fake name. Yeah. So I hear Joshua wow. and it just like snaps me out of this like, wow, this, this fog I'm in. And, and it's like in that moment didn't like lead me to run to Christ right but it did make me feel the pain that I was numb to and the most of, wow and what I really felt in that moment was man um, my mom had done everything my mom's incredible and just knowing how much it had to hurt her to text me time after time after time and call me time after time after time for me not to answer so just the guilt and the weight of that in that moment yeah. i just like okay i'm done I, I pick up the phone and you know I, I call my agent i call like my pr guy and like put out a press release i'm retiring i'm, I'm out of here i quit and i thought like okay i'm i'm, I'm gonna cover it all up you know I, I i had ironically i had a celtic cross tattoo on my shoulder Big Timberlake fan, big, big, yeah, yeah, big yeah. Justin Timberlake fan. <laughs> so that's why I had it. Not, it was no religious like significance whatsoever. Yeah. But um, pretty ironic. Yeah. But I co I cover that up and I delete my social media and I move across the country from Los Angeles to North Carolina. And I, you know, I I, I meet it with my mom and it's very like prodigal son moment. I'm like, yeah. you know, please just don't make me like be in the pigsty anymore and she yeah, yeah, yeah. like welcomes me home and she never said like I told you you shouldn't do that or like made me feel guilty at all she's yeah. like so glad that I was there amen and but then I was like okay what am I gonna do what am yeah. I gonna do with my life like I have like I can't put what I just what I've been doing for the last on six seven years on my re like that's not gonna be a good resume yeah and it's like I just pretty much said acted and modeled before that it's like 
I'm not. I, I have no interest in getting my picture taken. You know, it's yeah. like I don't want to be on camera. I want no part of that. Yeah. So what am I gonna do? And like the only thing I done, I personal trained for a little bit and got like a little like weekend certification. Yeah. So I was like, that's that's my only option, and I just you know, like shoot like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> I sent out like I don't know like a hundred. Like a hundred uh, resumes or whatever, or just a hundred like, hey, bio you know, promotional yeah, things like, or whatever. I'm I'm your guy. Hire me, you know. And someone hired me, and I was working there for a while, and then I was I was like, I'm good, you know, life's gonna be fine. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you're that guy. You're that guy. How are they find it out? I mean, do well, people I mean, just I all over the country the know most famous like male porn star in the world at that time so i mean wow. i was like you know it's like, and it's it was it was like back in like 2012 so like skinamax was still a thing so you know any like hbo late night or any showtime you're I'm, on it. I'm the lead on all those movies so wow i mean i i've probably done a hundred of them so like they're my, everywhere my audience should be relieved that i have no idea who you yeah. were until we met today yeah yeah there you go <laughs> but it's like you know it's like that so I, people were like, you're that guy. Like, even, like, calling me by the name, like, knowing, like, you know, wow. like, you're that guy. Da, 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 da. And um, You haven't come to Christ at this point yet, though. No, no, no. You're no. just trying to run from this. Yeah, I'm just trying to run and cover it up, run and cover it up. And that's what I continue to do. I, I lied until I was found out. Like, I would try to date someone, and then I would get found out, and they would, you know, Give me an out example of, of how you get found out. Like, someone. Oh, just, you know, yeah, I was just in California, just, you know, doing modeling and acting. Like, no big deal. Please don't Google me. Just, you know, like. Yeah like that and then so, someone would say someone would say something to them and I would get found out so like and, and wow. like I was also like that's got to be difficult yeah it was so frustrating and I was like I couldn't run far or fast enough and then I just you know I just kept you know just kept working it's like I took the same work ethic like in the gym I worked yeah. my way up to being a manager um, there was another gym in the area that um, their general manager left, and this is, you know, about about two years into this, you know, I, I've been kicking butt in the gym as a personal trainer yeah. and just, like, developing systems and, like, doing all this stuff and just, like, doing everything I can to, like, get a, get this certification, get this, you know, education, get whatever I could just, like, to better myself. But all while having night tears every night because I, I had the same, pretty much the same dream every night. I was, like naked in this room mm -hmm. and everyone was like you know called me by that name like oh like we know who you are we know who you are we know who you are wow it, it was just like like it was relentless and about like two it's years the opposite of what you're trying to do right you're trying to run yeah. from that and everyone's not letting you forget it yeah and then like two years into this there there's there's a new girl in the gym and i'm like I walk up to her and she just finished working out. I'm like, "Hey, can I put your equipment away?" She's like, "No, thanks." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> and then I was like, "Well, um, could I take you out to dinner?" She's like, "No, I'm okay." I was like, Man. "So she's she, dogging you yeah. out hard." And uh, I was like, "Well, she she suggested like, well, we can go for a run." I was like, "I hate running. You know, I I like to <laughs> sprint. I like to lift weights. I like the you know heavy or fast is is what I want to do." She's like, "You want to run like a 5K? You want to like run for like?" You know, 30, 45 minutes straight. No, but yes, I will. Yeah. And we meet up at this park to go for a run. And that run quickly turns into a walk. And 
I'm just like, I have this weight. It's like, man, I can't hurt this person. I can't lie to her. So I'm just going to tell her and then, you know, she'll tell me to take a hike or worst case scenario, maybe she'll slap me or maybe I'll get fired from the gym. I don't know. But just like, I'm just so tired of running, looking over my shoulder and just waiting for someone to find out about my past. So I was like, hey, um, I, I did a, uh, a little bit of porn. Uh, okay. She's like, excuse me? Excuse me, what'd you say? And I was like, okay. You know, I'm like, okay, Josh, you can do it. And so was, she, I mean, this is in the context of a conversation. You're getting to know each other. Like, yeah, what's like your past? We, Where did you work? Where did you live? Right. All so it's like she, she was, she came to the gym that I worked at, you know, so I saw her for an hour a day for about two or three months. And, um, you know, we're, we're out on this run. And so we, is that the first time you've done anything like outside right, the yeah. gym? Yeah. So so that you know, we, we went. We meant to run, but we ended up walking because yeah, yeah, we were yeah. talking. Yeah. And and then I tell her, you know, I did a little bit of porn. And then I, and I was like, she's like, excuse me. And I'm like, okay. And then it's like ripped a bandaid off. You know, I'm like I told her everything. You know, it's like you know everything I wow. did. And after I you know spill my guts, she's looking at me and she's like, I didn't expect for you to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and and then. She says, well, I want you to know something. Um, a person's not defined by the worst thing they've ever done. Was she a believer? Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, well, the, the, the greatest thing you'll ever do, that doesn't define you either. Yeah. God defines who you are. Wow. Um, do you know who God is? And for me, for most of my life, you know, we're sitting here at a table right now. Yeah. I play the role of I am whoever I believe you want me to be. Yeah. So I'm going to put on the mask of whoever is going to do the scene whatever yeah whoever's going to gain me your affirmation and acceptance is who i am so i put on the mask it's like yeah you know i i i believe i believe in god i know that you know time space and matter came into existence at the same time there had to be a a catalyst for that creation so absolutely and i believe that to be true i believe that god was real right and then she's like okay um well she said well what what is your like relationship with jesus look like? like do you are you praying? Are you walking with him? Like what? Like what's wow. God teaching you right now? And I was just like, man. And like in that moment, I just like, I knew. I like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. If it's I familiar have language, though, right? From your upbringing. Yeah. What was it? I mean, was or it just that? And just like, I mean, I I went to like, like BSU in college. You know, I went like Baptist Student Union yeah, like yeah, in yeah, college yeah. and stuff. So I had the information. Yeah. So. And just and like taking like classes in, in, in college and stuff, but um, yeah, like I, I knew it, just not at a heart level. Yeah. You know? So I'm saying this stuff, and it's like now I just know. And then she shares with me like, yeah, and I, I you know I gave my life to Christ when I was 13, and this and that, and my family are all my family is Christian, and this is what this looks like for me. I go to church here, and and then all of a sudden we're talking about tacos, and I was just like. What, what was she, this is totally interruption. What was she doing in North Carolina? She's so, from Iowa, right? She's from Iowa. So ironically, she had moved to North Carolina with someone that she was dating. Okay. Who was an atheist. Wow. And so like, they, like she was at a point where she was like, I know this is not going to work out. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, don't, I guess I'm going to move home. I don't know. And we meet and we're having this conversation and it was like, well, do you, do you want to be, want to go to church with me 
wow. um, next week or, or whatever. She's like, well, I normally go to church here, but there's a lot of people from the gym that I worked at and she went to that go to this church you know, nearby. It's, it's pretty contemporary. It's like, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's cool. You'll love it. I was like, okay, let's go. And for me, like, she had broke down boundaries because of the way that she responded yes. to what I said. You, you were saying, I interrupted you and said, that we talk about this, and then we're talking about tacos. Like, it was just kind of like, what? Yeah, and it's like, you know, it, it's... it's like, it, like, that's all the time we had to spend talking about me doing porn? Yeah. It was like, that, that freaked you out yeah, or I mean, that made an impact on you? It had a huge impact on me because I 100% believed it was game that over. when I told her that, it was game over and I was going to be yeah. rejected. And in that moment, she was like, well, okay, you know, that's true about you, but that's not who you are in the story. But like, for me, it was like, it was like me experiencing, you know, this talk about like, we're, we're to be imitators of Christ and, and like the peace that she had yeah. in her, her response, like very like Colossians 4, 6, right? So let, let your speech be gracious and season with salt so you might know how, to, how you ought to answer each person. Yeah. So it's like, she she was gracious and her language like elevated me to the point where like you're i'm not i'm not going to reject me and she cultivated curiosity so when she said do you want to go to church i'm like i need to know why you're responding to me this way right and i was like maybe i want to know god deeper and we go to church and long 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 story really short but um we we go to church um we get there um gigantic uh, wooden plaque with a mission statement on it. We want to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was like, you want to love me where I'm at? I don't know. You don't know don't, where I'm at. Yeah, you don't know where I'm at, bro. <laughs> you, know? yeah. you don't know. And we go. I, I you know, the, the, like, the whole experience is cool, you know, aesthetically. It's like, I, I, I dig this. It's awesome. Yeah. And then I'm expecting... You know, from my upbringing, I'm expecting to, you know, this guy in a suit to yell at me and tell me that I suck, you know? Mm-hmm. And I hear this guy get up there, and he reminds me of my grandfather. Like, we wow. were, we're in Raleigh, you know, so, like, very southern guy. You know, just a button-up shirt on, like, no, no big deal, and just very vulnerable. And he starts telling this story of Mephibosheth in uh, 1 Samuel. Yeah. And when he's telling the story of Mephibosheth, he's talking about how... You know, David was this different kind of king, and him and Jonathan were tight. And when Jonathan died, Mephibosheth was the only you know person left out of that the lineage of his family. Yeah. And historically, whoever was in that previous kingdom was wiped out and killed because they didn't want anyone to have access to that kingdom. Right. So Mephibosheth thought that he was going to be killed. Yet when David sent a king to him, he extended grace to him and invited him to his table, restored his land, yeah. not for a day, not for a week, but forever. Yeah. And then he pivots, and so much more does Jesus want to do for you. And, wow. and you know, goes, uh, you know, while, while we were yet, you know, sinners, that Christ died for us. And he's, wow. And, he, and, he, and he back, you know, digs back a little bit, and he's like, you know, he's like, you don't understand. It's like, you know, the, the previous verses, it talks about how um, maybe you would die for uh, a pretty good person, right? You know, but you know, like, yeah, or maybe even like a really, really good person, yeah. But you were enemies of God, yeah. And Jesus died for you, yeah. And, and there's a void in your life that you can't rectify yourself, yeah. And Jesus loved you so much that He willingly died for you, yeah. So that you can be reconciled to God. And for me, it changed the narrative 
of what a father was. Yeah. And then I saw the father's love. Yeah. And I saw grace and I saw mercy and I saw his goodness and it and it just wrecked me. And in that moment I surrendered everything. So like the first Sunday you went to church with her? Yeah. So, like came back to or came to Christ. Came to Christ. Like knew for certain that I never knew him. So like wow. And it's like I mean I'm I'm like so you I'm a pretty run, emotional you, guy. You, I mean I was like church. rolling around on the floor like crying. Not rolling around, but I was like Yeah. So you go to church the first time with this girl. Yeah. This sermon about Mephibosheth and the gospel and that just bam. Yeah. Yeah. So and it, and it's and it I think an important part of my story is not like that happens. I gave my life to Christ and everything's great. Right, right. <laughs> I think it's really important because the the most beneficial thing in my life is what I did next. So I went I went back to this church, pretty large church. It was like, you know, five, five uh, location church, not not like a, a massive church, but I go to their main office and I'm like, hey, can I talk to a pastor? I'm like, sure, Pastor Gary's in here. And uh, I walk in, I'm like, Gary, um, I feel like God wants me to build a boat. He's like, what? I was like, well, um, there's something that I believe God wants me to do that's bigger than I can comprehend. And my grandfather did teach me this. Um, if you want to do something, learn how to do it well and find someone that's doing what you want to do and ask a lot of questions. So I was like, I feel like God wants to use me in my story in some way. I don't know how or what, but I, w I want to be able to do it well. And he's like, man, um, there's this guy, his name is Andrew, and his family just moved from Dallas. He just graduated recently from Dallas Theological Seminary. and. Um, he's going to be here to help us launch another campus, but there's there's a few months before that's going to happen. Like maybe he can like hang out with you in a little bit. So the expectation was for me to hang out with him one time, for him to just you know this this is what biblical context is you know whatever, and we end up meeting once, and then we end up meeting 15 to 20 hours a week for four years. Wow. And he and he becomes a mentor to me. And more importantly, he like we would have hot conversations weekly, so honest, open, and transparent. Yeah. And he learned, he like cultivated me, because I, I pushed back a lot. Like when you're in a in a in a prideful, broken place, constructive criticism is hard to receive. And like he desperately wanted me to get to a place where I desired feedback and I would receive it, but it had to be bought with trust. He had to gain that you know relational equity with me. And he just continued to pour into me and pour into me, taught me how to read the Bible, taught me how to teach people how to read the Bible. Uh, we went through Greek in one year. Wow. Me, me, him, and uh, Mr. Mouse, you know, Bill Mouse. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we, we went through that. And, and that, it, I just loved it. And I ended up going to Liberty University online and yeah. studying uh, Christian ministries with a focus on biblical theology. and just loved it one thing you said a second ago that i'm i'm still trying to understand you said i want to build a boat what, right. do, you, what do you mean i think so really really great so i i said that i wanted to build a boat it's like that was my way of expressing that i want to do something that's bigger than i can comprehend Got it. i feel yep. like like i'm feeling prompted to do something yeah. um it's funny so uh, a pastor uh tim ross a buddy of mine he's in uh, dallas he's the pastor of mc city church okay and we were we were having a similar conversation about about my past and i was telling him that he's like man um i th i think you're the boat 
Wow. And it was really profound to me because for, you know, a, a long time I was trying to like figure out, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to accomplish? What is it that you want to do through my life and my story? I mean, he's like, and the reality is, uh, I mean, a lot of things, but nothing at the same time. I, I yeah, want you. You are the story. You yeah. are the thing. Yeah. He's like, I want you. Yeah. And like, and, and that was critical for me to, to like really experience healing. And, you know, I, I've, I've went to counseling and, you know, because I experienced so much mental and emotional trauma. Oh. So for, for me to get from there to like, you know, it's been seven years where, you know, and also that, that girl that invited me to church and was, was, you know, bold in her faith. We've been married. Uh, so it'd be six years in July and we have three sons and it, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, um, five years ago, someone asked me on a radio show that I was on. I shared my testimony for the first time. And, and then later, uh, about a, two months later, he was like, hey, I'm having this event. Would you like to share your testimony? I was like, yeah, sure. It was great. What I didn't know is this was a live event where it was like other churches and like it was about 700 people there. Wow. And so for me, like theater guy, it's like, okay, I got my script. I'm going to yep. go over my script. And then I get up there, and, and this is, you know, I, I've been working with Andrew for about, like, maybe 18 months or something like that. Yeah. And I get up there, and I plan on telling my testimony in this very, like, vivid, like, yeah. special way where it's going to, like, be an amazing story. Yeah. And, like, as I stepped on stage, I just felt this, like, this weight. Like, I felt like it was such a big deal, and it was, but I felt this, like, pressure to yeah. perform yeah and then when i stepped on stage like when i not when i was stepped on stage but when i stepped up to the mic to the, yeah yeah this the pressure left wow and i and i felt this like strange peace and this strange confidence like um like the the hebrew word anavaz like where we get yeah. the, the english word like hum humility yeah it was like you're like this god ordained like given space yeah i just felt like i stepped into this space that i never stepped in before yeah and it was like you know uh, it's important to understand, like, without God, we can't do anything. Right. But when we try to do too much, we also can't do anything. Right. Or as a John 15, 5, you know. Yeah. Like, if you don't remain in me, you're not going to do anything good. Right. So I'm standing there in that moment, and I have this script, and I got 17 minutes to speak. And I told, you know, I was going to tell my testimony in this profound way. I'm going to put on a show. I spent yeah. three minutes sharing my testimony and the rest of the time sharing the gospel. Awesome. And ever since then, that's all I've ever wanted to do. And when I did that, that is when I felt like, man, that is what I want to do. Yeah. And I've been doing it ever since. That's awesome. Uh, a few things, just questions that I jotted some notes down that I want to go back and just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, and I think people in our audience will be curious. So the check that you gave yeah. to the teller who like kept eye contact with you and was kind of gracious and can I do anything for you? Like what, what's the pay like in that industry and, and how do you get paid? Yes. I mean you, so that, I think it's a really important thing for your listeners to hear because I made over a million dollars my time in the industry through different things. How many years? So six years. Okay. Um, so I would make between a thousand and twelve hundred dollars a scene. So when you, when you get to set, someone will say, hey, uh, just fill this out. This is how you get paid, right? Um, actually, what you're signing is uh, you're signing away all rights to all video, 
all pictures, all audio, and the the caveat that you don't pay attention to is we reserve the rights to sell this to a third party as many times as we want. So we can you know, break this down and repurpose it and resell it to as many people as many times as we want. We can manipulate it in any way. And you get a thousand bucks, thank you very you much. Get, you get a thousand bucks, thank you for your day. We're gonna make a million off of it. Right. So I say that it's important because but yeah, so I mean, that, that, that's the answer to that question, but I think what's really important for people to know, so th- there's 30 people who I was in the industry with that, you know, I'm, I'm in, you know, my 30s and they should be in their 30s, but there were, there were 30 people who I was in the industry with and their career went like this. They were popular, their popularity started to dissipate, they started escorting, and then that started to dissipate because they were no longer relevant. You can only escort. So escorting is glamorized prostitution. So you can only, you all, your phone will only ring to pay those high dollars if you are relevant in the industry because that's how you're advertised. So all of a sudden their phone stops ringing from that. That stops working. You result to stripping. That's not making the money that you used to make. Now you've been, you've been groomed and told time and time again, this is who you are. This is what you do. You'll, you'll never be able to you know, get married. You'll never be able to do anything else. You might as well do this. Because like in the industry, there's like a no list, predominantly for girls, but like there's a no list, meaning that there's things that, that, that you don't want to do. Yeah. And what the industry will do, that agent will say, okay, you haven't done that. You've been around for a while. You're popular. Your popularity is starting to dissipate. They'll go to different studios. They'll say, okay, who, who's the highest bidder? Okay, great. You'll give me 50K for it? Great. Okay, goes back to the girl. Hey, I'm out of nowhere on this studio called, and they want to pay you $50,000 to do that thing. I know you said you wouldn't do it, but if you do that, you'll be relevant again, and then you'll be popular again. And, and so that cycle goes on until there's no more things to do, yep. and there's no more phone calls, and all of a sudden, you're a girl that's in your late 20s or 30s, and now you're, you're quote-unquote shot out in the industry, and 30 people who I knew took their life. Wow. So I say that to say this, those girls, all of their content is still on the internet, and it's being consumed in mass quantities. And they're gone. Even though they're, they're gone. Wow. So it's con- like continued to be repurposed, re-released, resold, and it's like a girl, like there was literally a girl like hung herself like in a park, and the next day, a studio released like a best of. Wow. So so those girls that maybe someone's listening right now and you're, and you're this is you know you're struggling with this. You mean the, somebody who's struggling with yeah, pornography? Yeah, someone who's struggling with watching pornography. So number one, those are people, not products. And those people, they don't want to be there. Like no one in the industry ever prostitutes themselves with, with cameras around and then lays their head on the pillow and it's like, man, I'm stoked that I do this for a living. No, you hate yourself. So these girls took their life because they believed that life was no longer worth living. And it was because they did this thing that you potentially are consuming. Yeah. That industry is continuing to promote. So, I mean, I just, I just think that's just something that needs to be said because it's yeah. real. And those people, like, and then, you know, I, people are antagonistic. You know, I have a relatively large following on social media, and I, I speak out against this often. And it's like, when I say stuff about those contracts, it's like, oh, you, you should have read the contract, bro. I'm like, I'm literally prostituting myself. Do you think I'm concerned about what this contract says? Right. Like, 
you know, there's there's a guy. I'm I'm sitting here like performing this movie, like having sex with someone, and there's someone eating Doritos six feet from me. You know, it's like, do you think I care about what's on yeah. the contract? Yeah, of course not. Right. That's incredible. Um, your wife, like, so this is another question that you that you might not want to answer. This is, yeah. um, but like, there's some baggage there. Right. You know what I mean? Like the whole idea of. I just talked to a woman uh, in an interview earlier today, and she's like, yeah, I won't get into her story, but part of her story was it was very important for me to wait to have sex until I was married. Right. And she was able to do that, but then everything didn't pan out the way that she thought it would, et cetera, et cetera. That's her story. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the reason people have that as a value is because uh, they want to you know, have that be a special intimate thing between them and their lifelong partner. Right. That's not your story. Right. Um, and your wife, who knows what your wife's story is, but there had to be some like, okay, like we got to overcome this obstacle. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. What, what was beautiful about our story was like, even though that she was a Christian and like she was still like, you know, yeah. she, she was living, you know, living with an, a guy and yeah. she moved it. It was like, she wasn't perfect. Yeah. 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 But so, but we decided to like, okay, you know, this isn't, this is a miracle. Yeah, totally. So like, we want to walk in uh, this relationship individually together. So we went to, you know, counseling and yeah. you know, premarital classes when we got engaged. And it's like, we want to take a, you know, we want to be celibate. We want to honor God. We yeah. want to give ourselves to God. We want to pursue purity. And like, that's something that's like, people believe that's a, that's a lie where it's like, purity is something that can be reclaimed. Like today is the day the Lord has made. You can be glad in it. And today is the day the Lord has made. You can be pure in it Amen. today. So um, and we get so caught up in, in legalities and trying to fit our faith in a box yeah. and we limit how much of God we can receive because yeah. he's so much bigger than your checklist. Yeah. So for us, it was like we were growing individually, but together at the same time. But for me, it, it was pretty unique because even though like I had this gnarly past, she met me as this dude that worked at the gym. Totally. You know, like totally. she was, I was this goofy guy with a too much energy that yeah. worked at the gym. So she never knew me as that person. She's yeah. never watched porn in her life, and she has no clue about it. So it's like for, for her, like, yes, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is real, and like that person is dead and new gone, creation. and I'm new in Christ. But also, she never knew that guy. Yeah, like, totally. She never knew me as that person. So has, totally. like, you know, people, people, like, when we first started dating, especially when I first started, like, you know, preaching, about preaching Jesus crucified, like, on social media, it's like, they were sending my wife like pictures. They sent like her family stuff. Um, it, it's not of as bad you as from used. back in the yeah, day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Just you know, it's like because this person that I was a huge fan of, you're, you've you've left the industry and now you're saying it's wrong, and and now you're yeah. talking about Jesus. How dare you? Yeah. So you know, antagonistic people. It's like, man, I, I want a response from you, so I'm gonna hit you where it hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even in that, man, it's like. My, my wife would just like you know delete block delete that's block. cool and she she's not someone who's like very like active on social media anyway yeah, but yeah yeah just like she's like it sucks that sucks i wish it didn't happen but i'm not i'm not going to give them the power for totally. to impact my life 
And I think like that's what people need to understand about social media. It's like not one person for good or for bad can impact your life or your emotions unless you give them access to it. Oh, amen. Um, and one other question on the whole thing and baggage and all that. Like, I don't mean this as a joke or trying to be funny or anything, but yeah. like marrying a porn star seems like you'd have a lot of pressure on you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like your wife, like, right. you know what I mean? Like, wait a minute. Like he's seen all the hottest girls yeah. in all the craziest scenarios. Yeah. And I guess I'm asking you a question that's maybe a question for your wife, but you certainly talked about that. Yeah, I mean, for for us, it was very different because I had only experienced lust. Yeah. And then when I experienced love, I realized that I'd never experienced that before. That's so cool. every moment I've had with my wife, it's been new and exciting. That's cool. And it was because it was born out of something that was not self-giving. Yeah. And like sex is a beautiful thing. It's awesome. Yeah. In the right context. Yeah. So, it, so for us, it's like if we did not walk out like that purity walk and that celibate walk, because man, like I didn't know what to do. I mean, to be honest, like the first time we hung out like in in a room together, I'm just like, look, it's like there's only one thing I know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like I literally like I had to like. You know, like second second Timothy three sixteen talking about all like all scriptures God breathing is good for you know, teaching, rebuking, but reproof was the word that I really clung on to because I had to literally dismantle and destroy the way that I saw the world, the way that I saw God and the way that I saw myself and wow. I had to like literally build up another foundation in how to appropriate myself in the world. Yeah. How to be like I could be fake, like socially active. Like I could be fake. I could be what someone you know, I could be what I thought someone wanted me to be, but when I was in a moment where, you know, when, if you're if you're in a room and there's no TV on and it's just me and you and we're just sitting there, it's like, I don't know what to talk about. I don't yeah. know what to do. Do I touch you? Do I not? Do I look at you? Do I not? Right. It's like, where, where are my eyes going? No, 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 don't do that. You know, it's like, right. I literally had to like relearn wow. how to live my life in an appropriate way. And that took time. Yeah. That took time, and it's like... And it sounds like, I hear you talking, it sounds like all this is evidence of what you say, like the Lord blessing, like, you know, kind of lavishing on us yeah. what we don't deserve. Oh, yeah. Because that's the kind of God He is. Yeah, there are standards. Yes, yeah, sin is real. Yeah, there's consequences for sin. Yeah. Uh, but grace is Abounds. huge in, yeah. like, yeah. in Christ. And what, I, and what I love about my story is there's so many people out there that have a radical testimony and they're afraid to share it, which I think like it should be shared in an appropriate context. Yeah. The, you know, but um, Genesis 50, 20, it's like what, what tried to destroy me, God has now repurposed and aimed it back at the industry that nearly took my life and did take the life of many people. So yeah. the fact that I, that I preach with regularity, the fact that I have a theological education, the fact that I'm an NRB talking to you, it's so bizarre, and then like it's not something that I get tired of. I, it makes me excited. I, I when I get out of the bed in the morning, it's like I'm hyped to do what I do. Yeah. I get to work like so like full time. I work with an organization called Blessed Media, and like we champion like other influencers and, and creators and uh, organizations and authors and stuff. Uh, my friend Rashawn Copeland, he has a you know a, a, a portfolio of 700 million people that he reaches monthly and, and we get like I get to play a part in that and it's just so bizarre that God has like been so kind 
yeah. so generous. Like, um, I, I think, like, also for me, um, like Romans 2, 4, it's like God's love and his patience and his kindness leads to repentance. Yeah. So I, th- I think, like, I had been, I'd been hearing the wrong gospel or it's like, repent or you're going to hell, you know? And it's like John 14, 15, you know, if, if you love me, obey my commandments. And, and I'd heard it as, if you love me, obey my commandments. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's, that's not God's voice. John but if four, you don't know yeah. who God is, you'll hear his voice in an in a, in a, inappropriate way. I'm going to try to pull this out of my memory bank, but John 14, 21 in particular, and maybe you can help me with it. Um, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me, yeah. and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love my love him and show myself to him. And there's this progression in that verse, where at the end of the day, what what we want more than anything is for Christ to show Himself to us, yeah. reveal us His will, yeah. reveal us what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. Who am I? How do you want to use me? I mean, when you get that, you're living the best life. Yeah. But the pathway to that yeah. is to have his commands yeah. and obey them. Yeah. And uh, and not in a, like you said, I'm going to squash you yeah, if you disobey like me. evil authoritarian like ruler. But in a way that's like, because I love you and yeah. because I know that the most fulfilling life for you is a life where I'm revealing myself to you continuously, yeah. the, the only way to that is to have my commands and obey them. Yeah, it's just like my son, like my two-year-old. Don't touch the stove, it's hot. Yeah. I love you, so I'm gonna tell you that. Yeah. You have to trust me and not touch the stove. You trust me not because of what I said, because of who I am. Yeah. So if you understand who God is, yeah. you will obey him not because he said so, Yeah. because you trust him. Yeah. Um, another note I wrote on here was in-laws. So what is it like when your, your wife yeah. Brings home her boyfriend slash fiance, who has your past. Yeah, I mean, if if like, it was kind of like ripping off a band aid because like all of that happened. So like, she tells them, and then like they get all these like graphic images like sent to them, and just like, you know, all Hades broke loose right <laughs> off the jump, and then kind of the <laughs> dust settled, and then just like, well, he did that, just part of his story. It is what it is, you know, yeah. and like, I never have talked about it you know like never have been an issue like yeah. after that and well, it's like if you own it it's like the yeah the, the vitriol or the 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 venom is kind of yeah i mean that that's that's true out. regardless of what your past is like yep. you can choose to allow your past to own you or you can own it yeah and you know what what you bring to light it, it you know like darkness is literally the absence of light so yeah. whatever you put in light can no longer be dark yeah yeah uh, so, t- you kind of talked about the stuff you're doing now. I mean, anything else you want to say about what you're doing, what what your plans are for the future? How could people follow you on social media? Have you written a book? Yeah, any so of that? I, I'm I'm in the latter part of uh, writing a book, something I've been working on for about five years. Um, so I wrote a book about myself, and God was like, "You idiot! How many times do I have to tell you?" <laughs> So I, I changed it. So now it's it's seven seasons of my life. And from each season, there's a practical and spiritual lesson from that season. So we haven't solidified on a title, but I'm, I'm working through that. Um, I am Joshua Broom is my social across the board 
on you know, Instagram, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then joshuabroom.me is my website. So regarding like speaking, speaking opportunities or, or podcasts or stuff like that, there's a, there's a contact form there. It's, it's real simple. Just a, you know, what do you want me to do? Why do you want me to do it? Who are you? And you're basically based in Central City? Yeah, well, for, for right now. So it looks like we're moving to, to Dallas this summer. Okay. The, the organization that I'm part of, they, um, they're based out of Dallas. But, yeah, so, so right now, like, there's a, there's a good old Baptist church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, that I preach at with regularity. I, I preach there next Sunday. What church is it? Um, good News Baptist Church. Okay. So it's on 3rd, you know, in, in yeah. Cedar Rapids. But I, I preach there with regularity. But, you know, I, I preached in Manhattan. You know, two weeks ago, I preached in Manhattan on Saturday, Brooklyn on Sunday. And mm-hmm. then uh, last week, I was in, uh, in Dallas. And well, Do you have any stories of other people who are in the industry because of your story uh, coming to faith or getting out? Or Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yes, but there's more stories that aren't as heartwarming because there's a— I have probably 50 stories that go like this. They left the industry. They heard about Jesus. They couldn't reconcile their shame. And they either went back, harmed themselves, or they're, they're, they're living in this tension where they can't forgive themselves. Mm. And they can't see... They can't see themselves as someone who God could love them. Mm. So they end up in relationships where they're not loved and honored in a way that they should um, abused Mm -hmm. and also when you leave that industry like if you're in the industry for a few years yeah like what what are you gonna do you know what I mean like no one's got like degrees or, or a resume like literally anything there's like so the tension that I've seen, and there's, there's organizations that's starting to come alongside these people. Yeah. It's like, hey, um, there are gifts and talents and abilities that are lying within you that Jesus wants to untangle. Yeah. And, like, maybe you, you, you're already leaning in the, into them in a little bit because I would argue if you're in the top 1% of that industry, there's something about you. Yeah. So look, God just wants you to, to reshift, repurpose, and redirect that light. Yeah. In I mean, a different direction. Look at Saul, right? Who yeah. became Paul. I mean, this guy's going 100 miles an hour yeah. against Christ. Yeah. Damascus Road, bam. And now, oh, we're going to have you write more than half the New Testament. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's like, in, in, in addition to that, it's like, um, you know, I do get pushback. You know, there are churches that, hey, man, I would love for you to share your story on our podcast. Um, but don't come anywhere near my pulpit. You know what I mean? Like you're tainted and like you're, yeah, you're like yeah, yeah. beyond. But it's like, so so, I, so a lot of times when I have the opportunity to, I'm like, you know, I, I'll tell, I was like, hey, here's a, here's, here's, a, here's a peek at my past, but here's what I want you to know. Um, Moses killed a guy. David was the inventor of pornography. He saw something he shouldn't have seen. He took, a ne- he took another look, committed adultery, killed, killed Uriah, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Peter denied Jesus three times. And what I love about Peter is he denied Jesus three times. And then you look at Acts 3, and he's preaching a sermon to a Jewish audience. And he's saying, how dare you deny Jesus? You crucified him. So he's preaching through the lens of, I've been where you've been. So don't do what I did because I know how much it hurts. I love that. So I, 
I, I think it's just important to share. Like, man, the Bible is full of people who were reckless and made terrible mistakes as, as deep and dark as murder. Like, you know, like you were saying, like Saul turned Paul, like, you know, he, he was a, a persecutor of the church, ripping Christians out of their homes and killing them. And then God used him to pen a large part of the New Testament. So if you look at all these people, whoever you are, whatever you've done, given your sin to Jesus, you can be redeemed, restored, and used in a way that doesn't have to make sense because God wants to do something in you that's going to exceed your hopes or dreams or anything you can imagine. Amen. I, I mean, that's what we're going to end it on because it yeah. doesn't get any better than that. Uh, Joshua, thanks so much for coming over to our booth, introducing yourself. I don't even know how that all happened, but I'm glad it did, and I'm glad I was introduced yeah, to you. Dude. We, we're an hour and 17 minutes in, which is great. Um, and I don't know, I'm probably going to reach out to you and have you come speak at a couple places if it works out. Yeah, dude. But uh, anything else you would recommend uh, anyone to read, look at, check out, website, anything? Yeah, um, if anyone out there is struggling with pornography as, as far as the consumption, so I, I did a, a course called Search. Um, so there's a... Uh, I think it's important. So there, there's a there's two different options to choose from. Like one are for men, led by men, and the others led um, by women for women. But it's called Search, and it's through loveministries.com. So that's where you can find that. Um, loveministries.com. Loveministries.com, and you can you can purchase that curriculum. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Joshua, thank you so much. Absolutely. Yep. The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.